Well, I'm excited for us to continue into chapter four of this powerful, powerful story. But before we dive in there, I want to give you guys another reminder. It's so good to get to worship to get together today uh, with Leslie leading us. And uh, in just a few weeks, we're going to have another very special opportunity, our first ever outdoor prayer and worship experience. Now, now, many of you have been a part of one of our prayer and worship experiences indoors in the past. It's been a while, though, in light of all the COVID stuff, and we are excited to gather back together, have a big outdoor experience located at our Sandusky location, so we've got lots of room for parking. Everybody can come from all three campuses. We'll have prayer stations. We'll have um, group time of prayer and worship. Um, some friends of ours from New Jerusalem Baptist Church in downtown Sandusky are going to be with us and joining us for that special service. And so we want to let you guys know now, uh, plan for that, mark your calendar, bring a chair or blanket if you want to, if you, if you want to be able to sit or relax. And uh, we really, really are looking forward to this special, special time when we come together and we're going to pray around our, our uh, 2023 vision, some of those core roots that we want to continue to grow deeper in, like developing a culture of family and equipping the next generation and serving our community and our neighborhoods and our world. And So come and be a part of that special, special time. Well, everybody loves a great love story, right? Right? Yeah, okay, okay. I'm, just, I'm like, well, maybe I picked the wrong message for today. <laughs> Everybody loves a good love story. And, and throughout, you know, Disney, the Disney movies, there, there are all these, these love stories that kind of come, and, and the drama that's involved, and the, the opponent, and, the, and then the rescuer. And, and uh, so DisneyAddicts.com is an actual website where they ranked the top 10 Disney movies to see with that someone special. Okay, so if you haven't seen these, or maybe you need to rewatch them uh, with the love of your life, uh, but here are the top five. Now, qualifier here, these are DisneyAddict.com's choices. So don't get mad at me, all right? If, if your movie pick, if your favorite Disney movie a love story is not up here, but let, let's see what some of them are. Oh, of course, Little Mermaid. I mean, a love story between land and sea, you know? I mean, wow. Uh, or how about this one? Wally. -E. Even robots need love, okay? Um, Beauty and the Beast. Some of us would say that kind of describes our marriage perfectly, right? Or, or, or perhaps our husband perfectly, right? Uh, yeah, that's a good one. And then Tangled. How many of you have seen Tangled? I haven't seen this one. My, my girls are college age now, and so like, I've, I've lost touch. I mean, I used to be able to sing all the Disney songs, uh, but, but not so anymore. But I guess another great love story. And then, of course, I mean, classic, right? Cinderella. I mean, hello, right? So, so uh, the thing is, I think that Disney missed out on an incredible, incredible love story of sacrifice and redemption. All they had to do was make a movie about the book of Ruth. And this weekend, as we enter into chapter 4, we really see the culmination of this, this redemptive love story between Boaz and Ruth. And yet, we can't jump right to the wedding because, as in any other good love story, there's drama. There's drama involved. In fact, last week, we learned that Boaz, who was this 
relative of Naomi and of Ruth, who was willing to be what we call a kinsman redeemer, which we'll talk more about that in a few moments, uh, was a man of honor and realized that there was someone else that was more closely related that had the rights to both purchase Naomi's land and take uh, Naomi and take Ruth, uh, her daughter-in-law that was also widowed, as his wife. And so that's where we kind of land in the story, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, Boaz went to the town gate and he took a seat there. Just then the family redeemer that he had mentioned came by. So the one that he had mentioned to Ruth in the chapter previously, when, she, when he said, listen, there's somebody that's first in line, and so we need to check with them first. Uh, he says, this guy walks by. Just then, uh, he walks by. So Boaz called out to him, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. It says, then Boaz called 10 leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. This was going to potentially be a legal transaction where this related kinsman redeemer was going to purchase the land of Naomi. And in order for that to happen legally, he had to gather some of the the town city's leaders there all together. All right? It says, Boaz said to the family redeemer, you know Naomi who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought that I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. So Boaz is going to this other family member that's first in line to be the redeemer and, and says, listen, you know about Naomi, we're related, and you have the opportunity. You have first dibs on getting this land. You have first dibs on becoming the kinsman redeemer. Now, last weekend we gave you a, a, a smaller uh, kind of definition, but let, let us flesh it out a little bit here. Uh, Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology, that's a mouthful, says this, a kinsman redeemer is a male relative who, according to various laws found in the Pentateuch, which is just the first five books of the Bible, uh, had the privilege or the responsibility to act for a relative who was in trouble, in danger, or in need of vindication. And that was the case for Ruth and Naomi. Naomi has moved back with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, uh, to Bethlehem. They had probably leased out some of the land that her husband, her, her deceased husband, Elimelech, had owned, probably deeded it out, offering it to someone else to farm. But now they're back in town. They've got to find a way to make a living. What are they going to do? They need to sell the land so that they have resources or they're going to have to work the land, which for these two widows, it was not going to be feasible. And so Boaz lets this other guy know, hey, this is your opportunity to take care of things and to get this land for yourself. Now, J.D. Greer helps us here, and he says there's three key things that were required for somebody to be a kinsman or family redeemer. The first was they had to have the right. That is, they had to be the closest related uh, relative. Re related relative. That's, yeah, you know what I was saying. All right? So 
when it comes to this kinsman redeemer that Boaz is talking about, yes, he's got the right. They also have to have the resources. So they have to have the money to be able to pay off the debt or to purchase the land and show that they have the ability to be a provider if there are any people involved. And thirdly, they have to have the resolve, the, the right, the, responsibility, uh, the resources, and the resolve. And this one's the most important. The resolve is the will, the desire the, to, to say yes, to say, I want to take this on. I am willing, okay? So this is really, really key. Let's read on in the story. Boaz says to this distant kinsman redeemer, but if you don't want it, that is, if you don't want the land of Naomi, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. And it says, the man replied, all right, I'll redeem it. He's in. And I can understand why in that day, being able to gain land was a huge deal. And probably she wasn't selling it for some, some crazy amount. They were desperate, both Naomi and Ruth. And so he was going to gain all this land and be able to then pass it on to his kids. So did this guy have the right? Yes, he was first in line. He was related to Naomi, and he had the rights to that land. Secondly, did he have the resources? Well, he must have because now it seems that he agrees to the deal and says, yeah, I'm in. I'll buy that land. But the resolve. At first glance, it seems that he has the resolve, the will, the decision to say, yeah, I'm in. In fact, he says it, but not so fast. Because there's something that Boaz has left out of his presentation to this family redeemer. Look at what it says next. Then Boaz told him, Of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. In essence, Boaz reminds this guy who doesn't, isn't very familiar with the, the situation. He says, By the way, in order for you to have the land... It's a package deal. You have to take care of Naomi, and because she has a widowed daughter-in-law, you have to take her on as well. So how's this going to, guy going to respond? Well, Boaz says, listen, that way, uh, Naomi and Ruth, they, they can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Now, all of a sudden, this, this distant relative who's first in line to gain this land is faced with a choice. Does he, he, he might have the right, he might have the responsibility, but does he have the resolve? And the answer is no. <laughs> he says, then I can't redeem it. That is, I can't redeem it now that I know that this means I'm going to have to take on Ruth as my wife and probably have children with her. And then her land, this land that I'm gaining, is going to go to her sons, not my family members. He says, because this might endanger my own estate. I think this is such a significant phrase. And we may not say it like this, but oftentimes I think this is how we live. Oh, I'll help out, or oh, I'll do that, or 
I'll say yes to the kids' ministry here. As long as it doesn't endanger my own estate, my stuff. Isn't it true? I always say it's easy to serve people when it's on your terms. <laughs> but, but God's calling us as followers of Christ to serve others, not when it's just convenient for us. And this, this no name, I mean, I think he was not named in this book be, for a reason. Like, the writer of Ruth felt like this guy's name isn't worth including. Because when it comes to the hard stuff and the sacrifice and the surrender, the redemption, this guy's not willing to pay the price. It's on his terms. He's worried about it endangering his own estate. John Calvin puts it this way. He says, our self-love ruins us with such blindness. Isn't that true? That's what was happening in this other kinsman redeemer's life. He was so full of self-love, so much concern for his own estate that he was blind to the desperate needs right around him, including these two widowed women that had nothing. And he was family. Certainly you're going to step up. Families do what families have to do for the sake of family, right? Well, not always. And that was the response of this person. I love the way that the message paraphrase puts Mark chapter 8, verse 36. It's Jesus speaking. He says, what good would it do to get everything that you want and lose you, the real you? Or older translations say, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole world? If, 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 if his estate is just beautiful and booming, but he loses his very soul. He loses the thing that lasts forever. And his whole focus has been on the things that are just temporary. And that was this other redeemer. He was focused so much on self that he was both blind to the needs and opportunity, and he was too selfish to do what was right, what was best, what love required. Now we can, I mean, I can read it and I can really quickly point the finger at this other redeemer. Like, what kind of joke? But when was the last time that we paused to reflect about the self-love in our own lives and our attitudes towards serving others? And I want, I want us to ask ourselves three important reflective questions. Number one, what would the people in our lives say, who would they say we are more like? Like Boaz, who was selfless, or this nameless redeemer, who was selfish? I mean, what would our spouses say? Would they say we're selfish or selfless? Would they say that we're more focused on getting or on giving? Or what about our kids? What would our kids say about mom? What would, what would our kids say about dad? Would our kids quickly say, oh my gosh, my dad, he loves me. And, or, or would they quickly say, 
oh, my dad, yeah, he's too busy for me. Because serving me, loving me, sometimes is just an inconvenience. Or what about our grandkids? I know, you know, it's easy to spoil them for a little while. <laughs> but but how, would they, how would our grandkids describe us? Would they say, man, if they read the story of Boaz, would they be like, man, that's just like grandpa. Or that's just like grandma. They just do whatever it takes for us. Or what about our coworkers? What would they say? Yeah, we, we, might, we might be doing okay at, on the home front, but on the work front, it's a whole other thing. Or sometimes it's flipped. Sometimes, man, our workers would, would say, we're, su- we're such a kind, servant-hearted, caring person, and yet our spouse <laughs> would say just the opposite based upon how we're living in our home. Second question, when we do have a chance to serve someone who is in need, Do we avoid it because we care more about our time, our finances, or our status? Again, like, yeah, I'll help you out as long as it's on my terms. Or maybe benefits me. (laughs) Or it doesn't cost me too much. Now, everybody, listen, I know, we're busy, right? In fact, you you ask anybody, you ask anybody on the atrium this morning, how you doing? Oh, man, it's been busy. You know, good, but busy, Right? And we're all busy. I know that. I'm busy. You're busy. The question is, what are we busy with? Are we just busy building our little kingdoms? Building our portfolio? Building our uh, stuff? Are we busy about building other people's lives and serving others in love? Leads to a third question, who or what truly has control over our souls? Who's, who or what is really calling the shots in life? And when, when, when we, like that other kinsman redeemer, thinks that there's this good opportunity, but then we, we find out there's, you know, the, the other foot drops and there's, there's more to it. And, oh, this is going to cost a little bit more. Oh, this is going to be kind of inconvenient or that's not going to gel so well with my life or my schedule or my family, then we're faced with a choice. And the question is, when we're faced with that choice, we, we might have the right, we might have the resources, but will we have the resolve? And this guy didn't. But thankfully, that's not Boaz. In fact, Boaz is about to make good on a promise that he made to Ruth in chapter 3. When he said to her, uh, he said to her, listen, Ruth, there's somebody else first in line, and we've got to do the right thing. We have to check with him first. But, and this is what I love it in chapter 3, he says, but as surely as the Lord lives, if he will not redeem you, I will. And here we see the culmination of this sacrificial, redemptive love story. The ten witnesses are gathered there in, at the, in the middle of the town. This other redeemer says, I'm going to pass because I don't have the resolve. And it says, then Boaz, he said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, you are witnesses that today I have bought 
Naomi, uh, bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malon. Verse 10. And with the land, I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. And this is what I love. None of this, you guys, none of this is about Boaz. Look, look at what he says. He says, this way, she. He never says, oh, this way, I'm going to get some more land. I'm going to get another woman, you know. He says, this way, she can have a son to carry out the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. And he says, you are all witnesses of it today. And the crowd, the crowd erupted. And the crowd started pronouncing blessing over Boaz and Ruth, saying, may your descendants just grow, and, and, and may you be blessed in so many ways. Because they knew, they knew service, sacrifice, surrender, redemption, and love. When they saw it, Boaz did for Ruth and Naomi what they could never do for themselves. That sounds a lot like the gospel to me. The gospel is the good news that God has done for us through Jesus, our Redeemer. What we could never do for ourselves. You guys, this story, this story is not, it's not just about Ruth. It's about you. This story is not just about Boaz, this generous, kind, sacrificial, giving, redemptive man. This, this story is about Jesus, the kind, <laughs> sacrificial surrendering Savior. And when, when, when you and I were desperate, in poverty of spirit, with nothing to offer God and no way to find our way back to Him or pay, or when we had no resources to offer God, Jesus paid it all. Jesus had the right he, he left heaven. He was God's own son, chosen, appointed to come to this earth. And he, he, the Bible says he took on human flesh. He became one of us so he could have the right to give his life to purchase us, to redeem us. He had the resources. Jesus owned it all. And his greatest resource was his very own life. And Jesus had the resolve. When Jesus kneeled in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Bible says he was sweating with what was like drops of blood, and he knew he was going to go to the cross. And even though he said, Father, if there's any other way, he said, yet not my will, but yours be done. Resolve. Just like Boaz said to Ruth, hey, as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Jesus said, listen, as surely as I am yet going to live, I will give my life away for you. Nobody's ever died for me but Jesus. Nobody's ever died for you but Jesus. He is our Redeemer.
Would you pray with me? God, in this moment, we read this powerful, beautiful, redemptive love story. And I thank you today that it wasn't just about Ruth, but it was about me, it was about us. That Jesus, you would do whatever it was necessary to redeem us, to save us, to rescue us. And God, maybe there's somebody here today and maybe they've heard about God and his love and Jesus dying on the cross, but something about the story of Boaz and Ruth and seeing you in it makes them realize today that you went to the cross, but you went to the cross for them. And God, if there's anybody here that right now needs to say, Jesus, I want you to be my redeemer. Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sacrificing your life for me. I want to say yes to you today. God, in this moment, give them the courage to call out to you, to ask you to forgive their sins and to come into their life. And Jesus, for many of us in this room who know the story, and maybe at a young age even, we gave our life to Jesus, but we've become blinded by our own self-love. We've been more worried about our own estate than that of others. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to come back to you, our Redeemer. Thank you that your arms are wide open to us. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to invite us to stand, and we're going to sing.